Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Thank you. Well, good morning, church family. You know, I was, thank you, Wes, honestly, really excited last week and um, looking forward to this message series. We're, we're pivoting a little bit, moving from orientation to let's do some good. And I was picturing this time being kind of like when your uh, football team is in the tunnel, getting ready to go out onto the playing field. And we've been for six weeks orienting around the calling of Jesus to follow him into a life of doing good, but, but looking at some core truth out of Genesis and just who is God, who are we, what's he called us to do, all those things, important. But it's been like we've been on the runway, or in that t- and now today, finally, we are going to have the opportunity to lock in on one truth, fire up around that truth, and then the, go charge in onto the playing field, and really, let's go do some good together. So today was going to be a call to action, a call to uh, just go do this good that God's called each one of us to do, and, and uh, fire up around that. Well, I studied the text, hit Thursday, and sensed the nudge of God that had been building all the way since Saturday, last Saturday, to uh, go another direction, stay with the our, uh, our big idea, which is let's do some good, but uh, to, to talk about what that looks like as we live it out on this election week, <laughs> this unique time, and it, it, um, it hit me really when I was sitting in, on my, in my car, getting ready to cross 36 last Saturday, CVS, coming out of CVS there, and it was a beautiful Saturday afternoon when all of a sudden, the road in front of me erupted with a parade. It was the Trump parade in all of its glory <laughs> comes flying by. I mean, it was pickup trucks with not one flag, but there are many flags, blare, I mean, just flying in the wind, and uh, minivans with flags flying, cars flags flying, and just horns honking. And if you saw it, you know what I'm talking about. Blaze of glory. And I'm sitting there absorbing this, thinking, this is the first, I have never experienced this in my short lifetime anyway. A, a, are you either, Evelyn Joy? <laughs> I know. It's like uh, we are, and you know the word that came to my mind, and it's that word that just keeps popping up all throughout 2020 as we describe things and we listen to the media describe things. Unprecedented, right? These are unprecedented times and unique times. And so I thought, okay. We're, we're moving into election week, a, a very, a culture is, is, is what it is. What's it look like to follow Jesus into this coming election week? What's it look like to do good? What's it look like to have his mind as we go into this week to who knows what, unprecedented times, and are we ready for that? And I was encouraged just to move away from the... Um, in that tunnel, getting ready to fire up out of a, you know, into the battle and let's go do some good to more of a dinner table tone. And imagine we just all go sit down at the dinner table this afternoon, as, as we'll all do, and have a conversation. But the neat thing about this is Jesus walks into the, the living room and into our kitchen and he joins us. And we can just ask him, how, what would you do, Jesus, if you were 
living in this time. And through his word, be guided. And what's really neat, in our unprecedented days, ever-changing circumstances, often in upheaval, the word of God remains the same. The, the calling of God doesn't change. This is eternal truth, timeless. And his calling on us to follow him, surrender to him, not to follow our wants and desires or some other leader or even a pastor or even what we are following Jesus Christ alone through his word the, the the head of our body is Jesus the way he governs us is his word and together as we seek to understand what he wrote in his word he gives us what we need to, to go do what he's going to call us to do so thought man wouldn't it be neat if we could ask him today how do we do this and the reality is we can. And so we're just going to talk through, and this is going to be heavy on the Word of God, light on my commentary, hopefully, as my words are fallible, but, but His Word is not. And we'll just walk through some, uh, some Scripture together. Okay, first is, what uh, five ways that we can be doing good as we navigate this election week. The first one is to be praying. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 4 is the text. And Paul is speaking to young Timothy, a pastor, and he says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. And notice he starts here, for kings and all those in authority. And what are we praying? That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And so notice the priority here in Paul. He says, first, he says, I urge. So there's some, this is something we must do. First of all, the first thing we do as the body of Christ, as the church, is to be praying. And to be on our knees. And specifically, it's interesting to be praying into those realms of authority around us. The, uh, the government and, and those types of things. Praying for peaceful and quiet lives. And notice, though, the emphasis. Why are we praying these things? End goal is that the gospel would flourish. That people would come to a knowledge of, of what we just celebrated in communion. That, that God loves them and gave his son Jesus. And that there's another kingdom at play here. That, that through faith in Jesus Christ, we, we exit the kingdom of darkness, of um, slavery to the enemy, and, and we enter the kingdom of light and life and an eternal kingdom that's at work. And so that's to be the, the theme of our prayer. The, uh, and so may we as a church family, as we move throughout this week, may we go prayerfully. It's thinking in our daily chair time with the Lord and meeting with him, that we would just be on our knees for our nation, on our knees for our leaders, for the unity in our nation, and, and just uh, the church, that we would be strong within this nation. I was thinking about just the beautiful picture of the, uh, the body of Christ here in a, the United States of America. We're, we need to be um, praying, pleading for our nation, but isn't it cool to think the church, the body of Christ in Russia this morning? In Iran, in uh, pick your nation, you know, China is praying for you, praying for us here in the U.S. They're lifting us up just as we lift them up when their nations go through um, unprecedented times. 
we're not alone in this, but we're to be seeking God and, and through his, the means of prayer, I'm asking him to do what he will do. So as we go even to vote um, and to be active in the political process, that we would go surrender to the, the leading of the Holy Spirit and just seeking him in, into what, what he would have us to do. So thought it'd be good just to do that right now and give you an opportunity to pray on your own for our leaders, for our nation, and then Fred Klein will close our time in prayer. opportunity to be here gathered together today. Um, thank you that your kingdom is a kingdom that is uh, everlasting and that you have placed Jesus over that kingdom um, and that he is, his authority is um, present and active today in our lives and in the lives of, this, of all in this world. Father, we pray that you would help us um, as we exercise the, the authority you've given us um, in electing leaders, that you would help us to have wisdom. Uh, Father, I pray for those that you've put in authority, that those that, who will um, come away this, this week um, being placed over us, that you would help them to see truth, to see you. Um, Father, I pray that you would help us to live in a way that reflects your kingdom. Um, that you would help us to be a light to this nation and to the world. That you would help us to submit uh, to the authorities that you've placed over us. Um, Father, that we could declare the glories of another kingdom um, and the hope of another kingdom, Father. Um, help our witness to be bright. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Fred. All right, so how do we do good as we follow Christ into this election week? To be praying. Another way is to be engaged in our culture. And we see over in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 and through 16, Jesus is looking at us as his followers. He's called, he calls us to be salt. We'll focus in here on, on being light. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a, its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so God calls us to be present, to be active, to be engaged in culture, 
in our communities, as we go out and, and interact, you stop and think about it as followers of Christ. We hold the words of life, don't we? We hold the message of, of hope, the gospel, the word of God. Like, this is how life works, and it really does. And, and we hold that, but we also exemplify that as we go out and, as Fred said, live under the authority of our king. And it, as the peace of Christ rules in our hearts, Colossians 3.17 um, good things happen, and things, uh, as Jesus said, we, we are light. We, we show the way to, to um, life and what, what works. I love the, the picture of uh, God providentially positioning each one of us this week at this time to do good deeds that will bring him glory as we go out into our various uh, walks of life, and, and who knows what, where he's going to lead us this coming week. So, and in the political realm, rather than putting our head in the sand and just hoping this all passes, but, but to be active and to be engaged and, and to be stepping into to what he calls us to, to be bold, speaking up for what is right as the church. In some ways, um, you know, there's the temptation to be passive and not uh, offend people, and, and um, you know, we've lived in pretty much a, push, a Christian culture, and so we don't want to be pushy or, or all of that, but you know, we are in a post-Christian culture now, and it's time for Christians to, to speak and have a place at the table. There, there's, in a way that's winsome and, and respectful, but bold, and so um, what, what that may look like for us, speaking up for what is right, and then showing up in, in the areas that God's given us to to play our part, being, being present to vote, etc. Last, uh, the summer before last, the opportunity you gave us to go on sabbatical, one of those weeks I uh, spent up in South Haven, Michigan at a retreat center with the Lord. And so to get my soul quieted down, I decided I'm going to take, instead of taking 65 up, I'm going to take back roads and just kind of chill 55 and 35 through the small towns. And one thing, I, and part of that was spiritual, part of that was also physically, um, I love chicken livers in that little gas station in Burlington, Indiana, and so I was hoping to, they, they canceled those though, which is a sad thing, but uh, anyway, as I was cruising through these little towns in Indiana, and maybe you've experienced the same thing, have you noticed cruising through a little town, you can, some of them are just like full of life and vibrant, and it's like, man, great little town to, to live in. Others are just all but dead and just depressing almost to drive through. Well, I started noticing in the little towns that were fully alive, you could almost always find a church along that main drag that would be fully alive. Something on the sign that made you want to go there Sunday, the property looked good, and it just seemed to be alive. And I don't know, you know, you could argue which comes first, chicken or the egg, but here was my hypothesis. Where the body of Christ is present, active, alive, and engaged in a community. It's like sunlight. When you have Jesus followers who are surrendered to him, all in for him, and they are out in the community doing their work as worship, being a blessing on the soccer fields, building parks, and you know, making things better, you have a community that's coming alive. And I just picture this, what Jesus said, guys, you're the light of the world. Body of Christ, be present in the community, be engaged. And so this week, or whatever the, the situation, may I just encourage us to be bold, 
to be present, to know, to remember who we are. We are the light. We are the salt. And may we go represent the Lord there. And it reminded me of what Jesus, or what uh, God spoke to his people, Israel. And this was another dispensation. Doesn't apply directly to us, but the principle, I think, does. When uh, Israel had gone into exile in Babylon, and Jeremiah the prophet, God spoke through Jeremiah to the exiles, and he said this, what, what, how are these exiles to live these 70 years in Babylon? And Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7 says, this is God speaking to them, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. We know this land and this world is not our final place. This is not our home. We're foreigners. We're exiles moving through, and yet we are to seek the peace and prosperity of this place for the good of the gospel. All right, so to be praying, to be engaged, another way that we can do some good as we move through this election week is to be thinking biblically. So important that we allow the Word of God to guide our thoughts, our actions, and our temptation to reaction. The, uh, and this is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. You know, I love this. This is core text, but you know how, what's the most popular verse in the Bible? John 3, 16, probably. Everybody knows that. See it everywhere. So what's, for Christians, what should be like the second most popular verse in the Bible? 2 Timothy, and it's helpful, 3.16, so we can remember it, and it, it reminds us of our, the core for our faith and practice, which is the Word of God. Verse 16 says, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, which means doing the right thing, doing what, what Christ would do with the right attitude. Here it is, so that the servant of God may be, and here's the phrase I want to emphasize today, may be thoroughly equipped for what? Every good work. Why did God give us his word? And do we have enough? It's so that we would be what? Thoroughly equipped. Is there anything you are lacking this week to do the good God's called you to do? And the answer is no. But, but that emphasis on to do good works. So it's theology always leads to right living, and we have it in the Word of God. And so, so important this week as we navigate just all the stuff that we're in, that we're thinking biblically, thoroughly equipped for every good, uh, may, good work. And so may we be led this week, not by our wishes, by our desires, by our um, biases and all the uh, chattering heads in, in the media, but may we be led by the word of God and his calling on us. Now, I can hear someone thinking, that's why I'm confused. Because both major parties, Republican, Democrat, claim the word of God as, you know, this is their, uh, they take verses and, and claim that this is a God thing now. And we know that it is easy to take a verse and out of Scripture, and you can find any verse, pull it out of context, and make it support your cause, and now you have a, a divine calling around your cause. And we see that happening in the, in the political arena. It's also tough because we see Christ followers who are fully devoted Christ followers, would claim to be thinking biblically, 
who would look at across the aisle and say, how can you be a Christian and vote for Donald Trump? I, I just don't, I can't compute that. These are Christ's fault. These are our brothers and sisters in Christ who, who are filling that today. And then you have others who are fully devoted followers of Christ look across the aisle at those who would vote for Trump and say, how, or Biden and say, how can you be a Christian and see these issues and vote for Biden? How? Like, there are even some pastors today who, and I know in the past couple of weeks, have preached Trump and others who have preached Biden. <laughs> how can this be? Um, so how do we think biblically around the issues of the day? And that's where this is so, so, so important as followers of Christ. We keep our heads about us biblically. And I don't have time to, get, to dig into this deeply, but there are three essential components when it comes to thinking biblically. And three things that we can flesh out and encourage you in small groups or if you have questions, love to talk, talk to elders about this more. But the three core issues are, one, you must have a valid or a sound method of biblical interpretation. Really important. There's a right way and a wrong way to interpret Scripture. And if you go off on that, it can lead into all kinds of errors. Second, it's crucial to have a balanced biblical theology, meaning you, you don't take one area of, of theology or, or one passage of Scripture and just let that put so much emphasis on that that it, it loses its proper place in all of theology and, and um, the mind of Christ. And then third would be that we think biblically together, or as we interpret scripture, it's so important that we do this in community and in a, a historical faith community as well as we see even all the way back to the book of Acts, the uh, 15 and the council in Jerusalem. And, and as we, um, there's protection for it. So talking through those just Quickly, why does a valid method of uh, interpretation matter? The, uh, as, I, as I mentioned, there are principles of interpretation, for example, context, and understanding a passage of Scripture in its context grammatically, what, what's, what's God saying, but also historically, what was God saying to that original author? You can't take a text like we took from, uh, or say, when God's speaking to Israel, and apply that directly to, say, the church. There may be principles that apply, but, but you can't just, and we see that happening in the political realm right now, where sometimes you'll hear someone take a text that God gave to Israel, promised to the nation of Israel, which is a unique time, unique dispensation, and they will apply that to the United States of America as if the USA is Israel. We're not. <laughs> And you, that can be dangerous because now all of a sudden we're fighting a holy war for our nation when, no, that's not at all what God meant. Now, it sounds good and it, it may feel good to our patriotism, but that's a misinterpretation of Scripture, which if we followed a sound hermeneutical approach, it, it protects us from that, right? And so that's one example. The... Uh, why does a balanced biblical theology matter, especially in this context that we're in? You know, one of the great comforts in days like this, seasons of upheaval, is the sovereignty of God. God is on his throne, and he sits above rulers, and he puts rulers in, in places of authority, and we rest in that. There's comfort in that. 
But there's also danger. If we overemphasize the sovereignty of God, it could cause you to say, then why vote? Right? God's in control. Whatever will be, will be. We don't need to worry about it. This ship's going down. Why vote? But a balanced biblical theology holds both the sovereignty of God and what's taught in Scripture, human responsibility to be light, to be salt, in balance. And it protects us. Get over here, out of balance in, in our responsibility, and now we're freaked out and thinking it all depends on us. And fear is driving the day rather than a, a faith in the, the sovereignty of God. But together, it holds us in a healthy spot to navigate uncertain times. And then the, the third is, why does it matter to do, that we think biblically together in a faith community? And the answer for that, one of the answers is that we all come to the Bible with our own biases, prejudices, experience, and, and uh, pride. And error happens when you get one person taking the Bible and just making it say what they want to say to support what they want to do. And we're all capable of that. And as we, as we uh, interpret Scripture in community, there's wisdom that comes through the body and the Spirit of God leading us together. So the big question is, which party or person should get your vote? That's, that's the question, right? And so I would say today, are you ready? Here it comes. That is between you and the Lord. <laughs> and it's a debatable matter. Christians... Fully devoted Christians will differ on this. But what we are responsible to do and what I would challenge you to do is think biblically. So understand and look at the policies and the, and the, uh, the leaders through a biblical lens and ask which one will do what God has called government to do, best align with what God calls government to do. And so one of the scriptures that helps us understand what, uh, why God gave us government is Romans chapter uh, 13. So we'll just go ahead and read through that. And I, we won't give much commentary on this, but allow you the chance to uh, read this on your own and, and go back and refer to this. Romans 13 verses uh, 1 to 7 say, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against God, what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Are there times that we are to resist government when it conflicts with what God's called us to? Yes, and that's another, um, another message, but as a rule, we are to submit. But the purpose here is what, why did God... Put, put government in place. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but those who do wrong. Do you, want to be, uh, do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended for the one in authority as God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is why, also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. And if honor, then honor. And so 
The primary purpose of government is to enforce what is right and protect us from what is wrong. I was thinking even, you know, we, we take our country, what, what do we appreciate about our country? It's freedom. And what do we champion? Why would I give my life for this country? Because it's for freedom. The very word free assumes what? When you say free, we're free, what's it assume? Bondage, which is what? Evil. Government is God's provision, why we live under the curse, to stem the tide of evil, to promote what is right, what is good, and to punish those who do evil. And so with that in mind, it's a guideline to, to help us as we seek to put leaders in position and to vote. And then, um, so be thinking biblically, and then fourth, to be a peacemaking force. As we move into this toxic culture, and would you agree we, we, we're living in a divisive time? Just You can just feel it. The, uh, I'm optimistic by nature, but with all my optimism, I don't think it's, the division is going to drop on Tuesday. I think it's going to take at least another week, <laughs> probably more. But uh, So how do we navigate this as Jesus followers? And I love what God gives us in uh, Titus. And if you turn over to uh, Titus chapter 3, verse 1 says, Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, and here it is, to be ready to do whatever is good. Isn't that good? Just, all right, let's do some good. Be ready to slander no one. Does that mean even government officials? I think so. To be peaceable and considerate and always to be gentle toward everyone. And so what an opportunity God has given us where we go into a culture where there will be division. We know James calls it out in James chapter 3. Where there is division and disorder and dis discord and all those things, it's demonic. The devil divides. The devil's at work in those moments. And the calling of Jesus followers is to be peacemakers, to be peaceable, as much as it depends upon us, but to be a peacemaking presence, to come in where there is division and hate and bring harmony and love and it doesn't mean that we, we go passive or we don't say what needs to be said or we're not bold and taking stands and calling out what needs to be called out, but we do so in a way that's bringing people together. What's our strength as a nation? Why do we consider Abraham Lincoln one of the great presidents? It's our unity, the United States of America. What's our strength as the body of Christ? And it's our unity, John chapter 17, Jesus prayed, Lord, make them one as we are one. And the enemy would seek to divide, so may we seek to bring peace. And then another way that we can do some good, or, or uh, just fleshing this out or saying this, um, is the fifth one is just let's go do some good. As Peter calls us to, over in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, where he says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves to the Lord's, for the Lord's sake to every authority, human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent 
by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live, such, live as free people, but do not use your freedom to cover up, as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. What I love about this, where we see Peter writing into a time of upheaval as well, is that our circumstances don't change the calling to do the good God calls us to do, do they? In fact, the darker the night, the brighter the light, the greater the opportunity we have to do the good that God's called us to do. And so may these first century brothers and sisters in Christ that Peter's writing to, they did good in their culture, responded to, to radical um, wrong being done to them, responded with the heart of Christ. And today, I think we're here in part to their faithfulness. And may their legacy call us or challenge us to go out and follow Christ in a similar way. So what's the good that God is calling you to do this coming week? And may we be positioned, be ready to go do good as he's called us to, to do good. Just to celebrate a couple of ways, thinking back over this past week as a church family, just wanted to say thanks for the good that you, you've done. And we, uh, our trunk or treat was just a neat picture as the community came out. Many of you came out, but just a wonderful time of loving big and our community doing good. And so thank you for those of you who helped make that happen. Think about our uh, family promise. And we had the chance to bless three families who are getting back on their feet and Many of you brought food, um, Matt and Jen Drakowski leading this charge, but just thank you for, for doing the good in that realm. Wanted to, this is a practical thing, but an important thing where as we begin almost to push our lawnmowers into the garages and sheds for the winter, think about our team that came out here all throughout the spring, summer, um, fall, and kept our campus looking great. And Levi Yole um, led a group of guys to, uh, to do what they did for us, as well as uh, appreciate um, our landscape team and Daryl and Rhonda Mackey, keeping our property looking beautiful. But if you were on the, the green team or the mowing team, would you just stand real quick and could we just thank you for doing the good that, that you did? Anyone in here on that team? Thank you, guys, <laughs> girls. <laughs> And then I'm thinking about this November and just excited about the good God has for us to do. Coming up, our Thanksgiving offering, and in your uh, chairs in front of you, there's a, a summary of it, but Thanksgiving offering, if you're new to our church, is the opportunity where we give above and beyond just to be a blessing to Compassion Ministries or ministries all over our world, community, and then to our church family for ministry impact. And if you read through there, you see we're going to be giving to help Aaron and Rachel and another church plant over in the Middle East and um, supporting them locally, helping Twin Lakes finish the activity center. I love the fact that our church is sensitive to the fact that mental health is going to be an issue, not just for kids. We've been helping the schools with providing resources to, to mental health counseling, but also to, to adults. And we're expanding that to just be a resource to, to those who are struggling in this unique season. And then next week, we're going to hear about the baby box, but a really neat compassion opportunity here in our own community. And then our, uh, we'll also be giving towards a shelter house that will go to help complete our playground area, but especially with 
COVID and small groups meeting outside, this is going to be a great tool for small groups and families to connect and, and encourage each other. And then the remainder of the Thanksgiving offering will be given towards our Love, make, love Makes Room loan to, to help pay down on, on that principle. And then this year, one of the things that we're, we were up in the air on, do we do that Thanksgiving meal delivery? And we're still taking it week by week, and, but we're trusting that this is a go and appreciate Joan Harrell and team. And so um, excited to be able to serve, Lord willing, over 400 meals and just be God's presence and um, do some good as we go out on Thanksgiving Day to bless our community. And so if you'd like to be a part of that, you can sign up in back, you can sign up online, and we're continuing. I think we need people to bake turkeys, pies, and then just deliver. To, it's about an hour on that Thanksgiving morning where we just go bless our community. Okay, so bringing it all together today, what's the calling of God? It's follow me, let's do some good. How do we do that this election week? Let's be praying Let's be engaged. Let's be thinking biblically. Let's be a peacemaking force. And then let's just go be active in doing the good that God's called us to do. And as I was thinking about just wrapping this up, and as we leave this place today, what's the vision that we want to see? And the vision that came to my mind was simply this. With all the events that are coming this week, may we see one thing with crystal clarity and that's our King of Kings on his throne. Heaven is in perfect peace. Down here, you got weather, turmoil, you got chaos, upheaval, you got all this stuff. But heaven is in perfect peace. Our King reigns. And the day that the image from the Old Testament that came to my mind was Joshua 5. Remember when Joshua is about to go to battle with Jericho, nervous about this moment, going to go out. He's got enemies, got to go fight Jericho. And he's out and he, he sees a warrior off in the distance. And he goes up to that warrior and he shouts, are you for us or are you for our enemies? And do you remember what the warrior says? Neither. Take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. And it was the king. <laughs> He's in charge. He reigns this morning. And we're his people. We're his church. The church is not on the edge of all that's happening. The church is what ha is happening. Jesus said, I will build my church, my church in every nation. And the, day, the gates of hell will not um, defeat it. We have his word. We have his spirit within us we have his calling which is hasn't changed which is follow me let's do some good amen amen father we kneel in your presence today and thank you for for your word we thank you for allowing us to be alive in this moment lord we thank you for our nation and what a gift how you have blessed our nation lord we pray your blessing over it this week but Lord, we pray that we as your church would be faithful to you. That we would not get caught up in skirmishes that are temporary, but that we would stay locked in on you, what you've called us to, that we might be your salt, your light, in whatever nation that you place us, in whatever day we're alive. Lord, I thank you for just the beauty of this church and 
seeing um, your body here and just the heart that you've given. My brothers and sisters here, Lord, and I praise you for that. I know that's of you. Unify us, Lord. Let nothing divide us, especially as we enter this week and enter this season of doing good. We know that the, the enemy would seek to create division. So keep us one, all for your glory. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.